Welcome to the What If Podcast with your hosts, Spencer Worth Davis and Ryan Copperood. Why are we so interested in the paranormal? Do you think? Well, because, because, uh, Larry, when we're done here on Earth, we all want to know that there's something else out there, don't we? And that is the land of the paranormal. And if there are ghosts, then that's proof that there's Something's life after out death, there. right? So would you say the most unexplainable thing is death? Of course it is. The thing we know the least about. We have and faith. The thing, as I said earlier, the thing we fear the most, the thing we quietly contemplate the most, um, of course it's death. Because cosmically, we're here not that long. <laughs> we lost probably the greatest to ever do it last week, Ryan. The legend. The OG. The, the man... The man before us. <laughs> yeah. R.I.P. to Art Bell. He died last Friday, uh, April 13th, of and course. Of course he died on a spooky day. And, uh, yeah, we thought we'd take today's show to... Uh, reflect. To, re- to reflect and remember all of the amazing, like, decades worth of content that Art Bell put into the world. So... E- you introduced me to Art Bell first in okay. in my life. I yep. was not familiar with Art uh, before you introduced me to him. And did you have such a, a good time ahead of you whenever you like decide to go dig into the coast to coast archives? Next time you like drive somewhere or take a flight or whatever, just like download some art bell highlights where does one find art bell highlights on the internet i well, mean he didn't he never had a podcast right like he was I all think, pre-podcast time i think all the coast to coast or a lot of the coast to coast stuff is archived on their website still okay so you can stream it through there uh, i think you have to pay for it oh um, sharks the free option is youtube because a lot of people have put like full episodes up and stuff well yeah people used to record onto cassettes, uh, full episodes of Coast to Coast, and then some people have uploaded those onto YouTube. So you can find, I mean, if you type Art Bell and then, like, Mel's Hole or Area 51 or whatever you're looking for, you can usually find it or at least excerpts of it. Yep. Um, And then the more recent stuff that's been digitized, uh, I don't encourage stealing from content providers, but... A lot of people have, I think, downloaded stuff from the Coast to Coast website and then re-uploaded it elsewhere. Guys, we're content providers. Don't steal from us. Our shit's free. Do whatever you want with it. You're right. Our <laughs> shit is free. Speaking of... Just don't... We've been getting... Lots of people have been biting us lately. Oh First, the, the... We gotta robot. talk about some shit! <laughs> Fuck! One of us just blew up our microphones. Sorry, sorry it was me. Uh, if if you guys thought Ryan or Spencer would blow up their microphone, which one of us do you think it would be? Good point. Good point. Sorry, I I'm, but it prompted a yell because I'm fucking pissed. First, my favorite murder comes in with the episode named Robot Grandma, which I listened to it after someone posted it in the Facebook group. Not a single reference to us. No, it had nothing to do with us. Those are two nouns that don't go together unless you know. The Robot Grandma story, which we told I mean, on the show. Got there. It, right, but because of the Robot Grandma story that we told on this show. Well, right, but I'm just saying if we put... It's not we like those are... own <laughs> Robot Grandma. No, we, we should. We should, as someone pointed out, trademark 
the stupid things that we say on here that we people think are funny. We can't just DM all of our jokes, though. But the best ones we could. Well, I guess. I maybe should. I don't know. I mean. Hit us with the legal advice at hi at whatifpodcast.com. I, I got, we could use it. We got some We got some legal homies. We'll holler at, or holler at us. Anyway, and then somebody made a, a we out of here. Or we out here? We out here. We the out aliens, here. Alien we out shirt here, that's being sold at. What was it, Zoomies or fucking Zoomies? Hot Topic or whatever fucking it was. Zoomies. I don't even, it was, is that what it was? It was Zoomies. Urban Outfitters. Look, the reality is, I am prepared We're to. We're just unoriginal. <laughs> what is that? The reality is, I'm prepared to rap battle all these people. In fact, what I, I don't, think. I don't think they are. That's why it would be better because we would I, win right away. Just add a, a Zoomies one... every day with our YouTube video of me battling Zoomies and be like, <laughs> What's your marketing department going to do about this, bros? Uh, probably nothing. Or just would, would add my, my favorite murder on Twitter every single day with a YouTube video of me just absolutely lyrically slaughtering no, we those should be hosts. nice to them. Why? Did you just call them hosts? <laughs> no, those hosts. Oh, I was like, that's really aggressive. No. And you should chill out. <laughs> no, no, no. Come on. We, we're not like I, that on here. Just making sure. I said they're hosts. Oh, yeah, they, they, we should be nice to them. They'd make a podcast that a lot of people like, and it's pretty good. Or we could or get into a big-ass beef with them. You could do that, too, I guess. And have all of our litner, listeners at mention if them. You wanna be, if you want to be the Wale of the podcast world, you go ahead. <laughs> oh, man, that is a thin, <laughs> thin strip of listenership who also, is going to get that joke, but also, it's a good joke. on the list of things we should trademark... The Ryan Caprud, a.k.a. the Wale of the podcast world. Absolutely refuse sure. to even remotely be compared to Wale <laughs> in the podcast world. Who's, uh, I mean, who, who are the other, like, classic beef losers? Beef losers? Um, Meek didn't do so well recently. Jim Jones. Jim Jones of the, see, that's perfect because he's got a cult reference. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> and also, Jim Jones is tight, so I would be okay with being referred to as the Jim Jones of the podcast world if I needed to be. There you go. Um, but yeah, maybe that's just what happens, man. We've done the show for enough hours and said enough things. Said enough things. Yeah, I think that that's all it is, bruh. The universe is circling back around to us. Anyway, we're here to talk about our bill. Speaking of hours of doing the podcast, or maybe we're not. No. Oh, okay. Cool. Speaking of hours of doing the podcast. So, well, I think like a good way to set up Art Bell is like I know a lot of people know about Dreamland and Coast to Coast and his shows and stuff like that. But midnight it, in the desert. Midnight in the desert. It was good for me to, uh, in in my research for this episode, to like reflect on, like you said, like the longevity of this dude's career and the fucking peaks that he hit at times. So I saw at one point. Well, actually, can I read you something really quick? Probably. So <laughs> could fuck it up, <laughs> but might read it. Um. There's this great Washington Post article that came out in like 1999 or like 2000 mm -hmm. that was about art. I think that was like peak coast to coast era. Yeah. Um, and, and I think like for those of you who do or don't know art, I think this article does a really good job of like setting the scene of this dude's life and like who he like was or is. Um, so I'm going to read a. Uh, we can link to this uh, on whatifpodcast.com, but I'm going to read just like a, a, a couple quick paragraphs of uh, of this article. It was a profile that they did on art, like you said, during peak Art Bell fame. When 20 million people were listening to him every night? Yeah. So 
80 miles west of the, sorry, 80 miles west of the nattering neon assault that is Las Vegas, a narrow road leads to Pahrump, an ancient Indian settlement poised for development as the next gambling paradise. Not far from the town's main drawing cards, legal brothels called Sherry's Ranch and the Chicken Ranch, Bell's trailer commands a plot of sand and rock surrounded by satellite dishes and a chain link fence. By day, it's nothing special. The hideout of just one more American who found his piece of paradise and straight away nailed up a no trespassing sign. But at night, when the crystal black sky explodes with stars and the mountains offer a scarf of darkness, this trailer is transformed into a transmitter of freakish fear and the sweetest of hopes. Kept company by a fistful of phone lines, a trio of computers, an atomically synchronized clock, and a framed bare-breasted photo of the actress Shannon Doherty, a 52-year-old man who hasn't had a good night's sleep in nine years, offers an insomniac nation a host of extravagant, extraordinary, and even extraterrestrial possibilities. I thought that was fuck yeah, he did. I thought that was a really beautiful piece of writing by it's by Mark Fisher. Uh, the article is called "The Outer Limits: A Lone Voice in the Desert Lures Ten Million Listeners," and uh, yeah, I think that was right in the time where he was getting like between ten and twenty million listeners a night. He was like the overnight, fifth, overnight. He he was the fifth most popular radio host in the country. And he was broadcasting from Pacific time, 10 p.m. to 3 in the morning. Is yep. that right? Yeah. So he was. Uh, yeah, because it always started at midnight here. So that'd be right. Yeah. So 10 p.m. Yeah, yeah. Pacific till yep. 3 in the morning. So he was doing five hours a night, basically overnight. I mean, in New York City. Also, five hours of radio is fucking crazy. Okay. So I. By himself. Yeah, bro. No producer, no engineer. Yeah, no, bro. Like, literally no one. Just yes. him in his house for five hours every night. I did Every s- single night. I did some very rough math, like or very rough math. Week, I think, but whatever. Yeah. Uh, I think there's a distinct possibility that this dude in over the course of his career did. So I, I, I took an average of five shows a week. Dude was on air 25 hours a week. 25 hours a week. That's Is that cool. real? If he was doing five hours a night. Okay. So I did five. I did five nights a week for five hours a night. For 52 weeks a year, for 15 years. Okay. I don't know if he actually did, like, if he never took, I'm sure he took a, a right. night off here. And, and that's there, why but. I'm saying, like, it was, like, very, very ballpark math. But yeah. even if, like, throughout the course of his career, he somehow hit that rough I'm metric. I'm sure he did, because his career was a lot longer than 15 years. Right, also. and he came in and did additional shows and rebooted shows later on in his career. But that motherfucker did over 15,000 hours of radio. Like actually on the air. Yes. Yeah. Like like yeah. if if you were to go back through the archives, it would be 15,000 hours of fucking radio. Yeah. That's insane, bro. We've yeah. done this show. <laughs> we've done this show for like yes, it is. 200 hours. And I'm like, damn, we got a lot of back catalog for people to go through. Yeah, dude, we like, do. No, we don't. We do two hours a week, basically. Yes. He was doing 25 he was doing he was doing almost triple what we do a week every night. Yeah, right. Right. That's fucking wild. And then like you have to prep something. Like a lot of what he well. did. I mean, he had open <laughs> phone lines for a good portion of that, but still Which is like also wild. He did news stories and he did current events stuff and he would lead segments. It wasn't like it was only open phone lines. He still had to prepare a show every night. 
crazy. And I'm crazy. sure you overprepare, if anything, because you know that you're live on the air for five hours. Right. And if you don't have anything to talk about, you're like, well, shit. Right. And especially early on when you're not getting 20 million listeners, like you can't count on good phone calls every single night. No way. Especially for the early parts of your shit. Like you got to be, you got to be ready to either coax the most out of your one well, call you get a night or. And he was really, really incredible as an interviewer. Yeah, yeah. Especially not having a single clue, like unscripted, un unscreened. Someone's just calling you, and you're just going to talk to them live on the air. Right, right. And you know it's going to be something weird. Because that's what you're asking for or yeah. putting out into the universe. Like, go through, have you ever gone through any of the, just the open phone lines highlights? Uh, I don't think I have, actually. Dude, just hit, like, Art Bell open phones on YouTube. Yeah, yeah. And... I mean, it would be everything from, I was listening to one today, and this happened, like he had what he called an Antichrist line, awesome. where people who claimed to be Antichrist could call him, and he would just like, he would just talk to dude for 10 hours, or 10, 10 hours, 10 minutes. Yeah. And, like, obviously, they were probably all just people who wanted to talk to Art Bell, and were Going to make up them. some shit yeah. to do it, yeah. But that was like, he had the perfect balance in all of those of... I'm going to let you say whatever you're going to say and I'm going into this with an open mind and I'm just sort of passing this along to my listeners. Yeah, yeah. But also like I'm going to tell you what I think when you're done. Like right, I'm, right, I'm going right. to give you an opportunity to convince me or not convince me or right. to give me some new information and I'm going to play along for sure for as long as you want to go. But then also like along the way if you say some shit that doesn't make sense, I'm going to ask you a question about that thing. Right. Or yeah. even when he would often do uh open phone lines for time travelers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if yeah. you're a time traveler, call me. I, I want to talk to you. And he just put them on the air like he did with everybody. Right. But he would, I was listening to one yesterday where he was, like, he was talking to this guy who said he was from the year uh, 2063. And uh, it's one of the more famous ones. It's this dude who called himself Single Seven. Wasn't his name like part of the, it was supposed to be like part of the unit he was from or something? Yeah, and he, it's this very it's this one went on for like an hour and a half but it's this elaborate story about how he's come back from 2063 or something because they're in some he's part of some organization that's in a battle for the planet with the mim who it sounds like are the gray aliens and they're trying to warm up the planet because the mim can't handle the heat and so he had to go back to the past and get crops to splice with crops in the future to create like GMO crops that can sustain higher temperatures. Amazing. Anyway, so he's talking to this dude for like an hour and a half, just no breaks, nothing. I mean, he had to go commercial a couple of times, but whatever. And he says to him at one point, so you're from the year, or he asked me like, what, what, what is this like in the year 2036? And the guy stops him and he's like, I'm from the year 2063. And Art was like, yeah, okay. I was just seeing if you'd go with me. <laughs> And so, like, <laughs> <laughs> he's like, I'm trying to catch you, motherfucker. Right. And he would, he would totally indulge and like let the dude say what he was going to say. And like, to be fair, if you had to talk for an hour and a half about being a time traveler from the future, that would be hard as fuck. Battling the gray aliens for crops because you're trying to warm the planet by 15 degrees. It's so hard. And not sound like a total asshole within yeah. the first five minutes, uh, much less an hour and a half. Right, 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 right. Especially with somebody as sharp as Art Bell. Like, It'd be hard. It's fascinating 
if I mean, I'm assuming that these calls are just elaborate pranks or like or en- enter- sure. <laughs> but they're, they're, I mean, they're they're entertaining. Let's give them the same credit art gave them. They're they're entertainment, they're entertainment. and art presented it as such most of the time. Yeah, but like that would be really hard to do if you're improvising it and even if you had planned it out and written out a script like you don't Dude, know where that conversation is going to go and sure. you didn't plan for an hour and a half of I mean there's so many variables in terms of like what if he asks about this or right, this or this right, or right. what if we go in this direction you got to be able to react quickly yeah well and that's another thing that you know I was curious about related to art was if I mean, I guess he did it for a really long time. And over a really long time, you generate a lot of phone calls. And out of those phone calls, the number of them that will be remembered, you know, if he did, if he did, yeah, some of them weren't that good. If he did 16 to 20,000 hours worth of radio in his lifetime, you know, we're going to remember maybe 500 to 1,000 of those hours. Some segments are tops. obviously better than others. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. But, but like, still, the good ones are. Really, really good. Yeah, and, and even the bad ones are like it's not him, right? It's he got to and and he would and he would shut off things that were shitty, and oh, he would yeah. and he would turn back on for things that were, or he, I mean, would, he would like he would draw out the lo- ones for an hour and a half that deserved it, and if somebody was like, he would just straight you know. up cut people off sometimes too. He just be yeah, like, yeah. thank you, I have to go and hang up on somebody and yeah, go to the yeah. next one. Yeah, you know, like thanks for calling, goodbye. Yeah, <laughs> after. 30, you know, if it was somebody who was obviously messing with him or like getting into topics that just weren't for the show, like I was listening to somebody compiled some of the uh, like those low lights yeah, on yeah. YouTube, and there was one where a guy was talking about how he astrally projected himself inside of Art's house and was watching him sleep, <laughs> and like he took a long time to get to this, and at that point Art was just like, "Okay, goodbye." Yeah, like I, I let you. Uh, Take this where you were going to take creepy. it. <laughs> You're creepy. You're <laughs> creepy. And uh, now I need to go. Yeah. I'm not into it anymore. Yeah. Your call is no longer wanted. <laughs> um, yeah. I, we should clarify, you know, when, when, when he was getting 10 to 20 million listeners a night, which again, crazy. It's insane. I mean, what's, what's the highest rated TV show right now? Uh, like what is something... And I don't know. I guess like I don't even know what the range is. But what was like Game of Thrones do every week when it's on, or something like that? I think it's like seven to nine million. Like it's it is it is a lot, but it, I don't think it's in that number. Can you imagine something airing at midnight or one a.m. Eastern? I gotta Google this right now because I know we're gonna get a trillion emails if I don't actually know this number. Game just purely speculate of Thrones. You guys, guys just like I mean, what is what is the highest rated network TV show do? Because like obviously HBO is different. Bull sharks and salmon <laughs> can swim in both fresh. I love you guys, but and if I get another water. fucking email about bull sharks, <laughs> I swear to God, we definitely fucked up in the Nessie we episode. It. We get it. We're and dumb. I don't, I don't know why you guys expect us not to be dumb at this point. Like we say a million things that are wrong on every episode. I just thought the funniest why bull sharks. <laughs> I just thought the funniest part was 
Yeah, what you just said. We we are wrong about so many things on a weekly basis. And normally, but being wrong about the ability for a, an animal to cross between fresh and saltwater animal was the one that got y'all. And I think we got literally between tweets, Facebook messages, and emails, like over a hundred people hit us up when they were like, dude, and nope. <laughs> yeah, like normally if we mess something up, I'll get like a handful of emails in the next week. Yeah, being like, hey, actually, it was this place. Like yes. we, we, I did it last week when we were talking about megaliths. And I said, uh, I said Puma Punku, and I was, I meant another site, and so I said it was in oh, the wrong yeah, country because yeah, yeah. I was just, I just said the wrong thing. Yeah, and we got like two or three emails saying like, actually, it's in Peru or whatever. Right, right. Or it's not in Peru, and uh, it's in Bolivia. And cool, great. Yes. And then like it'll stop after a week usually. I'm still getting bull shark emails, and we've gotten like a hundred of them, and I don't know, like, what was different about sharks? Maybe it's- Y'all just really love, like, you just, you guys just fucking ride for sharks I, like no one else? I mean, I get it. That's our sharks audience, is shark type. enthusiasts? Maybe what we that should- didn't show up on our demographic survey. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we love y'all for keeping us honest, all right? Thank you. We, no, we, it, maybe we should start doing a, a correction It means show. you guys are listening and paying attention, but fuck, man, I don't know what it was about bull sharks. <laughs> We pissed some of y'all off. No, no one no one was shitty about it. Everyone was just like, hey, actually, that was the tightest part was everybody who corrected us was like, hey, you guys said there isn't anything that does it. But just so you know, this is actually a cool animal no, that yeah, does that, that thing. I, I'm, All I, the corrections came from like a very loving place. I probably sound mad. I'm just like. We were impressed. <laughs> yeah, no one was rude. No, I mean, we, like, it was fine. We were it impressed just, by how much weird. y'all cared. Okay. Uh, Highest rated. Oh, yeah. You got Thrones first. Yeah, I got it. Did you go for it? Okay. The highest rated uh, Game of Thrones episode thus far was the season finale at the end of the 2017 season, which came, whatever, in August of 2017. Yeah. And it, quote, smashed the series record for ratings and attracted, do you want to guess how many viewers? I was wrong, for whatever that's worth. 12. Exactly. Oh, damn. 12.1 million viewers, according to Nielsen. Okay, so he was doing... Uh, when you include HBO Go and the standalone HBO Now app, yeah, fuck that though, because all of all of arts listeners were live. True, I'm just saying if you include all of the ways that you could ingest the show, it got up to 16.5 million. Okay, and he was doing estimated 15 to 20 at the peak of Coast to Coast. Bro, think about how popular the show Game of Thrones is. Okay, I can't so go to work. Without hearing a motherfucker talk about Game of Thrones. I have another point of reference for you. Yes. The highest rated, so two-part question. Yes. Highest rated network TV show. Yes. For last fall. Okay. And what was it and how many viewers did it have? Network TV show for last fall? Fuck, dude, I'm bad. I don't watch any network TV. I'll give you a hint that this includes sports. Oh. So like... WWE or NFL or NBA or whatever for last fall or um, I guess this is all of 2017 actually but I think usually fall shit is I mean that's when most TV shows happen the poppinist yeah Dude, I think I, it's all of 2017 though. can you give me the network it was NBC NBC which what? is kind of surprising I figured it would be CBS were the Olympics all in 2018 they were weren't they because they were after yeah. the new it was year all after January 1st yeah um that's so fuck. spread out too I wonder if there's any one there's probably not any one event that would draw more than like I don't know like the like the like the hockey championship the men's hockey championship 
curling maybe figure skating dude yeah. people love figure skating um dude I, I don't i don't even know it's if i could guess football sunday night football okay sunday night football was the highest rated show with 18.5 million that's crazy art talked about aliens at two in the morning to that many people and that motherfucker was getting 10 million people a night to listen to him i'm 15 to 20 by depending on the year and the estimate because it's he was Syndicated to like hundreds of stations, so I think it's hard. For, it's hard to get an exact number of listeners. But. At maximum, they were satellite projecting to four hundred different radio stations in the United States. Fucking crazy, dude! Here's a question: How many radio stations can you name in your own state? A handful. It's ten to maybe yeah, ten ish. Yeah, so like half of the radio stations and that's in like a thing every that I pay state in to. the country. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And so half of the radio stations in every state in the country. Well, no, because a lot of it was AM, and I can't name, I can name one AM station. I'm just saying, if, of the ones you can name, half of them were broadcasting art. Right, but I'm saying, like, he wasn't on clear channel stations in most of those places. And, no, like, they no. were. But that's, that's the crazier thing, like, his show. Was popping on places where people didn't yeah, actually was fucking listen to radio. overnight AM radio a lot of the time. Stupid. So <laughs> more so than the fucking NFL on network television in prime time. It's crazy. So before we get like into some of the more the more lovely Art Bell stories, you gotta tell me about like your personal history with Art Bell. Because I know you have one, which is part yeah. of the reason you introduced him to me in the first place. I mean, it's the reason I was tracing it back on Friday when I there's yeah, Friday when I heard about uh his passing and like I think it was probably my introduction to like all of the shit that we talk about uh. like the entirety of the paranormal unexplained aliens all that shit and my my brother introduced me to it when I was probably I don't know 7th or 8th grade or something yep and he would he would tape them yep he would tape the shows and uh, this was, so I, I listened to some of, like, I would borrow tapes from him and listen to him. And then a couple years later, or maybe like, so this would have been, I don't know, 2000-ish, 99, 2000. Um, I remember downloading a bunch of them off of Napster. Fuck. Because people would. Yes. People would, down, or I guess, I don't even know how, record the episodes on the a dat or something and then upload them to Napster yep, or like yep, yep. digitize cassettes or something. I mean, I guess digital recording existed by the time that Napster yeah. existed. Yeah. But people would record episodes and upload them to Napster. And I remember like I would, cause we were rocking the, the 56 K modem at my parents' house oh, back in like 2000. You and, were at that time you were, and those episodes were huge. I mean, he was on for five, five hours. Yeah, so they, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> so they'd break them up into segments sometimes. It would take hours to download an album, and that'd be like Dude, 45 a, minutes of a, music. A song would take an hour or yeah. two sometimes. If you and got then, seated poorly, but that's when you canceled and you researched <laughs> that motherfucker until you got a better seat. But I remember, like, and then you were, you know, you were using, we had one phone line, so I was blocking the phone line. Ah. So I would set up uh Mom, hang up the phone! <laughs> I'm trying to I'm learn trying about it. download art! <laughs> I need to hear about aliens. Linda Moulton Howe is on tonight. <laughs> Uh, it's a five hour long clip, mom. <laughs> and 
it would be like fucking uh, a real audio file or something, <laughs> you know, and you'd, you'd download it and you'd have to convert and, like a 64K yeah. real audio file. Play, you're, like, you're like, what the fuck do Winamp? I have to... <laughs> oh my God. Or you'd be like, what, what the fuck kind of app do I have to download just to listen to this fucking weird freaky file that I just got? Yeah, exactly. Half the time it would like be porn or something. Yeah. yeah. I guess that was more Kazaa's thing. Napster, you mostly got music. Yeah, I got, I got a little bit Kazaa of both. Kazaa and uh, LimeWire is when it started getting real shady. LimeWire was... Yeah, that was... That <laughs> Li- LimeWire was like coin flip. You were going to get like the grodiest shit you would ever encounter. Or some like, random EXE file or like... Yeah. Within an hour of downloading that shit, your computer was just... Fritzed, fully Fritz. Yeah. But I remember like overnight setting up coast to coast episodes to to download off the yes. of master and then waking up like and then I would burn them on the CDs. <sighs> but you'd have to burn like two two episodes on a CD. Yeah, and even like I still had I found an MP3 of that of the whole Mel's whole saga. Which we'll which get we into. can talk about in a minute. But <laughs> like that one played out over years and multiple episodes and it's like i don't know the whole thing is like six or seven or eight hours long amazing and i took just a stack of cdrs and would burn like 72 minutes at a time we're going in <laughs> we're going in and i'd have to like chop up the audio myself in uh soundforge to make wow dude you are dropping some very i've been making music on computers since 99 so I've, I've gone through some real shady fuck with your boy <laughs> like every possible fucked up stupid shitty free mm. torrented i mean before mm. torrents were even a thing like software oh, audio yeah. software i've had on some computer at some point oh yeah i had uh uh sony acid 1.0 on my parents gateway computer in 1999 acid was like a thing for a while it was great. I made people use that for like a while. I used to use that and SoundForge together. I'd chop up samples in SoundForge and then like arrange everything in, in Acid. But anyway, so that like downloading and burning CDs of it because like I wasn't up, you know, I had to go to school at seven or whatever. Yeah, I you weren't awake till three in the morning. Listening like sometimes to I would listen to the first hour or two like on my radio because I could get it on. I think they used to play it on WCCO overnight. Really? That's cool. And then, or maybe it's either that or KSTP. It was like one of the two major AM stations here in the city. We cities. live in Minnesota, guys, by yeah, the way. Twin Cities. Actually, which is why we have W's and K's. Did you know that? What? What do you mean? There's not a W or a K in Minnesota. I don't understand. No, I said WCCO or KSTP. Oh. It's because the Mississippi is the dividing line for the, for the call letters. Oh, as in the Every, West Coast everything is east K's, of the Mississippi is W's K. No, east is W because WMYC. Right. Everything east of Mississippi is W. Everything west is K. And is it only both. those two letters? Yeah, everything starts with a W or a K. Why? I don't know. That's I don't really know how call, call letters work. Fucking but. weird. Yeah. Art would always go, uh, he would... Announce callers by west of the Rockies or east of the Rockies. I think that was just a weird thing that Art Bell did, though. I love that. Yeah. But anyway, and then like listening to tapes, and then I'd go back to my brother and be like, this person was talking about Zachariah Sitchin. Do you know anything about that shit? And then like, because he and my brother's four, four and a half years older than me, and he and all of his friends were like uh, juniors, seniors in high school when, when I was like in seventh and eighth grade. Yeah, yeah. 
And so they had like the he had a cop a paperback copy of Chariots of the Gods by Zachariah Sitchin and Sick. like would put me on to other weird shit based on the weird shit that I discovered. Tight. I saw a guy reading Chariots of the Gods at a bar the other day and I was like Whoa. strong, dude. Just sitting by himself reading Okay. Just drink he was drinking beer. Cool. Reading a book. <laughs> That's a yeah. Sounds, sounds like a like, good time. Hell yeah, dude. You're having a... It was at like 5.30 p.m. too. I was like, you are having a day, my guy. Good for you. He knows what he likes. Hell yeah. Um, Shit, I love that, man. I love that you uh, that you kind of grew up with, dude. Like I said, I didn't, I didn't really... I mean, I listened to a lot of radio, but I was exclusively focused on music, and I didn't have anybody who like introduced me to any like late-night radio or any talk radio. Because like, I feel like when we were that age, it was always about who introduced you to what and when. Or a yeah, lot it was, of it was, it was harder to. I mean, we grew up at a, a weird time where like the internet didn't provide you everything at any given yeah, moment. Yeah, but it was starting to. But you kind of had to know where to look to begin with. I and mean, then the, the information was much more limited. Yeah, like, def- definitely not like when you and I were in like elementary and middle school. Like when we were in elementary and middle school, it was like who had the tapes, who had the CDs, who could burn you a CD. Yeah, Brian, I was born eighty six. You're eighty eighty seven. Yeah, so. Middle school for us was like 99 to 01-ish. Right, which yeah. was like right when the internet was really taking hold. Yeah, but still not really. Like, It wasn't great. It wasn't clear that it was going to be what it is now yet. Yeah, yeah. I remember people being like, ah, the internet's just a fad. Like, <laughs> right, 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 right. Like, I think I got we, a hotmail. We were at that stage in, in the, the development of what we have now. Yeah, I think I got a hotmail account when I was like, 15 or 16 wow. like 2000 and my first email address was definitely a, at, a, an at AOL uh yeah maybe I, I mean everybody got the AOL CDs right right uh I wish I would have we were we were talking about this with with Pete and Ben the other night or whatever week about how great it would have been to keep your AOL email address Mm. And how how much we would respect somebody at this point if like you got a business card and it was just like Jeff at AOL dot com. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you just held on to that motherfucker for you, twenty years. And you were like, I'm, I won't let it die. I was in early. I got I got my name yep. at AOL dot com. Yep. It's my business card says Cindy at AOL dot com. That's how you get a hold of me. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> or, easy. Dude, it's just easy. I was I was reminded of the. Uh, the very specific era that was the height of Art Bell. Yep. Because he would constantly talk about people. Fa- you could fax the studio. And people did. Oh, I'm sure like millions of people did. But also like people would send him documents from the future. Yeah. And shit. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking brilliant. Yeah. Dude. He, what? Can we fax Art Bell? Is that weird? Well, no, Art's dead. Well... We can't get him. Or, any, we can't get him anything at this juncture. What? What just got you excited about faxes? Do we get a fax machine for the studio, <laughs> and y'all can fax that shit? That's that works by uh, phone line phone or line, internet. Right? I think you can do it through the internet. I, I honestly don't even really understand what a fax the is. Technology does not compute in my brain. By but the, I, yeah, like by the time I was old enough to use technology, faxes were already like going away, and I never needed to use it. In like a professional setting, I don't no, really I understand either. what a fax is. To be honest, it's literally a scan of an image that gets sent over the internet and then printed back onto another piece of paper. Okay, so 
it's basically but, but it encoding use... the visual data, sending it through a phone line. Yeah. Okay, and then it just gets printed at the other end. Yep. Okay. So what would people fax us? <laughs> I don't care. I quite literally. It's the same reason we're getting a PO box, which we've been yelled at now that we have said we're well, getting and we haven't figured out yet. But we'll figure it out very soon. I just gave Crystal Lady the studio address. She's gonna mail us stuff. Who? The the woman who wants to send us crystals. Oh, tight. She did you see her email? Yeah. Well, she she was like she gave us an amazing like very thorough list of like here are the ten things that I would recommend and here's what they're used for and I think you guys would like this. And I said that sounds amazing. Yes. Here's the studio address because that's where they're going anyway. Wow. Yeah. So hopefully those should be showing up here. Sometime. Oh my God! We need to thank her so aggressively. <laughs> I don't know how to do that, but I mean, we need to I, I thank her. I emailed her back and said thank you, but you can thank her more aggressively. I don't know. Like we should, you, whatever that I'm, means. I'm saying we should like. I don't know. Does she, does she want us to like shout something out? Or I don't know. Her, her name's Britta. She seems pretty tight. Britta, thank you for the crystals. Holy shit! Also, speaking of listener emails, I don't think we talked about the website that was made for us. Yeah, we did. We talked about it on the Patreon. Oh, okay. Well, would you like to? I don't know. Should we? Should we take a, a momentary aside? No, we should fucking talk about Art Bell because we're forty minutes into this and we haven't talked about all the best Art Bell bits. All right. Go to canspencerdunkyet.com if you would like a laugh. And thank you to Mike uh, and his homie for putting together <laughs> that. So, the classics, in my opinion. Yeah. Art had like, and, and based on your CD burning knowledge, we know that in your opinion, this is a pretty good opinion. I mean, he, I'm sure there are, like you said, the dude did fifteen thousand hours of actual, I'm assuming, recorded radio. There's, I'm sure, many thousands of hours that I haven't heard. I'm, yes, I'm not like I would imagine most the art of Bell them, authority by any means. I would but, imagine most of the thousands of hours you have not heard. Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. There's no way I've spent <laughs> right. more than 7,500 hours listening to Art Bell. That's yeah, what I, yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, he had Bob Lazar on Coast to Coast. Bobby! Which is, uh, it's it's actually not like his best interview just because Bob is so strange. Was, Bob, like, was Bob on multiple times or just on a one time or a couple uh, times? I've only heard one, okay. but I... It, that's not to say that he wasn't it didn't on more continue than once. happening. Yeah, yeah. Um, he just the fact that Bob made like in that era had only made like three or four or five a handful of public appearances or statements. Sure. And this was the first like open free form interview that I knew about at least with with the with, dude. Yeah, with Bob. And then to have Art like actually. Well, Art just doing Art Bell things of like, I'm going to grill you on this stuff, but I'm also going to be like friendly, professional Art Bell dude yeah. and let you say what you want to say. Uh, tell me more about working at Area 51. <laughs> yeah. And like, it seems odd to me that you don't remember these things. Why is that? Or, and then, you know, like, um, excuse me, sir, but that sounds like bullshit. Would you like to elaborate? <laughs> and, and honestly, said. Obviously, you didn't say that, but you know. No, but, but also said in such a. Smooth and relaxing. She and, had such an amazing radio voice. Oh God! But just like very politely holding people's feet to the fire once in a while, and then sometimes not so politely. But like that—that that interview is amazing. And 
you should check it out if the Area 51 Bob Lazar stuff is interesting to you. I got to uh I got to say, you know, I hope I hope that we can only kind of aspire to be like a version of the of like the the ghost of Art Bell in the way that we kind of like we give light to all the things that we give light to, but we do it with both a like skeptical eye, but also like an enjoyment eye, you know, and yeah. like I don't know, There's, like I, I think his legacy of the way that he treated these topics of both being sort of admittedly kind of gullible, but like gullible because it's fun to be gullible sometimes, but also then like yeah, pulling it, it back into it wasn't like a realm of reality when it requires or when it makes more sense to. Or, I wouldn't say he was gullible at all. Not I gullible, would say like, but displaying gullibility, I guess. In like he would he would allow for things while things were happening. He was genuinely kind of see curious. I think. Yes, sure. And not necessarily like I'm. I'm curious. I'm assuming what you're saying is true, and I'm curious about that. Yes. I'm curious about what you have to say and who you are. Yes. And whatever direction this conversation is going to go in, sure. And regardless of how absurd it may seem at face value, and if it turns out to actually be totally absurd, then I can hang up on you whenever I want to, <laughs> <laughs> and answer one of I'm my going, other many phone calls. I'm going to use my discretion to to keep this entertaining for my audience. Right, right, right. Uh, we also the clip that we opened with was actually not from any of Art Bell's shows. No, yeah, it was from an interview that he did with Larry King. Uh, which was awesome. Yeah. There, uh, in that interview earlier in that interview, Larry asks him like, have you always been interested in the topics that you talk about? Like ghosts and aliens and all this stuff, right? Time travel or like, how did you get to this point? And he answers by talking about the time that he saw a UFO outside of his house with his wife, which didn't happen until like, significantly into his career. Mm, yeah, I guess I don't know. I don't know when it was. It was I have like, the audio if you want to hear him tell the story. Well, let's play it. Okay. Uh, here right. we go. I'm on the way back from Las Vegas. and We're probably about a quarter mile from home. To give you the setting, it's almost a full moon. It's quiet. It's so quiet that you can hear crickets at a quarter mile. That quiet. We're on the last leg on the way home, and my wife Storytelling is amazing. What the so hell is good. that? She was in the passenger seat, and she caught something coming up from behind. I said, I don't know. And I pulled the car over to the side of the road. We both got out, and here coming up from behind us, at about, I would guess, 150 feet, is a triangular object with three lights on it, three solid lights on it. Uh, one, I believe, was strobing in the front. It had to be about 150 feet from one point of the triangle to the next. It was monstrous. And How far off the ground? About 150 feet. It, it, it looked so big and so close that I could have thrown a rock at it. No kidding. <laughs> you scared? Anyway. No, scared is not the right word. Uh, we watched it come up from behind us, Larry. And it came, it came directly over our heads. Close encounters, the stars and the moon went away. And it made no sound. As it passed over our heads, you could hear the crickets at a quarter mile, Larry. Still, no propulsion, no noise, going, I guess, about 30 miles an hour. I was in the Air Force. I know what aerodynamic flight requires. And trust me, this thing was defying gravity. Of course, the explanation would be that's an experimental Air Force base that's secret to everyone, and that probably is something they're working on. Then, maybe so. But 
if we have anti-gravitic craft, that's as almost as big a story as <laughs> if they are here. This defied the law of gravity. Absolutely. 30 miles an hour, floating, not flying. And we watched it, we stood and we watched it go, watched it go over the valley for about five minutes, kind of with our mouths on it, you know, open. Why did that not make you a believer that there is something somewhere else? It did make me a believer that there are things that we don't know about. So even then, dude, like, sees a UFO in person from 150 feet away, and his response is like, I guess there's some stuff that I don't understand yet. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> hmm. What about that? Uh, yeah. It is worth doubling down on the fact that the story that he's telling, I mean, he lived very close to Area 51. He lived in the desert. Yeah, he lived in remote Nevada. 80-ish miles away from Vegas, and depending on your belief and or understanding of the size of Area 51, like, not that far away. Yeah, yeah. Um, Other classics. So we mentioned Mel's Hole earlier. You want to get into that one? I'd love to get into Mel's Hole. <laughs> Gross. Hey, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful, okay. big. I'm just gonna move on. Deep. I'm, I'm ready. You good? I'm, you ready. Good? I'm ready. I'm okay. ready. I'm ready for you to pick it up wherever. Okay. Uh, there was a guy who called into Coast to Coast one night named Mel Waters, who started telling Art about a hole that he had found on his property. Uh, this was he first called in February of '97. I, I'm sorry, I got to stop you already. Can I ask you a question? You already did. When when Mel when Mel calls Art for the first time, is Mel's is Mel's intro to this? Uh, hey Art, listen. Uh, <laughs> great show. Uh, long time, first time. Listen. Uh, quick question. I got a hole. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, I got a I got a hole. <laughs> In on my property, a uh, hole. Yeah, it's in the ground. It's big. Like how? Like how do you intro that's art? Well, I mean, of course, art is like he's gonna give you a chance. Yeah, but and, I mean, it must have been kind of a version of that, right? Well, I think the the hook to the story is that this hole did not have a bottom to it. Yeah, it was allegedly a bottomless pit, and. The, the early calls started with him attempting to measure the hole. And so he was attaching string to some sort of weight. He had fishing line and was letting, and with a weight on the bottom, and was letting out fishing line to see how deep this thing was. And he got, he ran out of like the 500 yards of fishing line that he had. Never hit a ground bottom. Right. And he's <laughs> he's like, like, I got to ask Art. I'm, I'm going to go, well, and then. So he called him and he's like, well, I'm going to go get some more fishing line tomorrow or on Monday or whatever, and I'll call you back and I'll let you know. And then it progressed to, uh, and one of my, this dude lived in like rural Washington and owned like a lot of property. And this was, this hole was somewhere on his property. Many acres, bro. And it then progressed to, well, one of my animals died and to dispose of it, I was like, well, I have this bottomless pit. 
I guess I don't need to. I don't need to bury this animal. I'll just chuck it down this bottomless pit. Damn, Mel! <laughs> God damn! <laughs> and um, he threw the animal. I don't remember if it was like a dog or whatever it was. I think it was a dog. He throws the dog down the pit. That's why is that worse? I'd rather it be like a cow. Well, I don't think the hole was that. He'd have to like shove it. Down. I don't think it was that big. Oh, I thought I'm it was like, like a, a pit. I'm. I've always imagined. I don't know if this is just me, but I think it was like well sized. Oh, think I might. Right. Be, I could be making that up though. No, I. I didn't let you listen to the whole saga, man. Anyway, he threw the dog down the well, and the dog <laughs> and the dog showed up alive on his property the next day. So now he has this bottomless pit that also resurrects life, resurrects animals that you chuck down it. Yo, if and so the story, like he would keep calling back in every whatever. I think he called like four or five times over like five years, and the story would be a little more elaborate each time, and there would be new developments. He would call back because he saw federal agents on his property, Mm. or he had measured, he had figured out a different way to measure the hole. And he had measured it as deep as 80,000 feet, he said. Which is, quick maths, that's like seven, nope, many miles. <laughs> 5,280 feet. Right, so 10, uh, I don't know, like 14 miles or something. What? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> No, yeah, yeah. I said yeah, what, yeah, yeah. and you said nope. <laughs> Eight, oh Jesus Christ! Over like seven. And you guys are mad that we don't know about sharks. We're talking about like I can't do math. Seventeen or eighteen miles hold on, deep. Hold on. What did I say? Fourteen. We'll you said see fourteen. Of a guess that was. It was about eighteen. Eighteen miles. Eighty thousand. We're gonna get an exact answer. Yeah, no, no. I'm just saying. Two hundred eighty. It's fifteen. What do you mean? I mean it. I mean eighty thousand divided by five thousand. Oh, right, because it's less than ten. No, I straight down the other side. See, I'm the fucking. I'm the fucking yeah, math. You got me. I said 14 something and you looked at me like I was crazy. I was within one. Yeah, no, but see, this is why we're a bad team is because we're both very dumb at math. Ryan, did you know that the bull shark can exist in <laughs> freshwater and saltwater? Tell me again! <laughs> oh, uh, shit! Oh, man. <laughs> That's Mel the first time he saw the hole. <laughs> That's the best use of that sign. so far. The, he, oh, he walks God. outside the day after he throws his dog down the hole and he sees his dog. And, oh, shit. <laughs> hey. <laughs> He's waving. He's waving at the, the, the goddamn dog. Hey. I apologize. <laughs> Threw you down the well. I apologize. <laughs> Oh, fuck. Oh, God damn it. Anyway, uh, the end of this story, oh. I'm trying to summarize like a nine hour long story. The Woo. end of the story is that he moved to, uh, Mel moved to Australia because federal agents had seized his land from him. He took his hole. They took Mel's hole. It's <laughs> fucked up. That's fucked up. Oh, I'm going to they needed it, bro. They needed that magical hole. I mean, Mel's magical hole. I, I, I definitely understand that if uh, if federal agents found a hole in the ground that you could throw dead <laughs> and inanimate objects into that would come back alive. Yeah. 
they would uh, they would want to use that for something. Uh, some people have claimed to have found Mel's hole. Oh, because he gave he didn't give the exact location, obviously, because it's also his. In it? It's also his home, and he didn't want twenty million coast to coast weirdos showing up at his house the next day. I mean, why not, man? Have a fucking party. Start a bonfire. Start uh, fucking grilling some short ribs. Art Art had some problems with people knowing oh, where he lived. Oh, yeah. Including, you know, people shooting up his house and... Federal agents mad because I'm flagrant. His cat myself. His son got kidnapped at one point. Shut up. Yeah. Art no, had, he Art didn't. had some fucked up things happen to him over the years. Anyway, that's not the point of this Mel's Hole story. Uh, <laughs> somebody Speaking of RBLs, kids got kidnapped. Anyway. <laughs> well, it's true. I mean, Just no. one of them. But, uh, he did some, have a lot of kids. He had like six kids, didn't he? Five? Five, mm, six? I don't know. He was, yeah, he was married like three or four times. Four? Five? Maybe even five? I don't know. Uh, some local reporters eventually heard about the story and tried to investigate... Um, and found no public records of anyone named Mel Waters residing in the county in Washington that he claimed to live in. That's because he was being—he was keeping his identity secret. Right. Uh, also, according to State Department of Natural Resources geologist Jack Powell, the hole does not exist and is geologically impossible. Thanks for the clarification, Jack. Oh, you're saying that <laughs> that's, a fucking 15-mile-deep hole in the earth is impossible? That's, that's the point, Jack. God. Right over his head. Whoosh. Um, you know, have you seen people just tweeting tweeting whoosh at people when jokes go over their head? No, because that is my new favorite thing on the internet. That, Hitting people with the whoosh. So if you yeah, if you want a good entry point to Art Bell multi episode weirdness, Mel's hole will keep you busy for <laughs> fuck for like <laughs> at least eight or nine hours. <laughs> fa 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 phrasing. Fuck no. <laughs> Mel's hole will keep you busy for a few hours. Mm. The sweary boys have struck again <laughs> in their sweariest uh, of forums. Uh, a personal favorite of mine is any time that he had Terrence McKenna on the show. Ooh. There are some amazing Terrence McKenna, Art Bell, talking about DMT episodes out there in is the world. Is this the same McKenna who was recently in Minnesota, or is that a different McKenna? Terrence McKenna is dead. His brother, Dennis? Dennis McKenna. Right? Yeah. Uh, I believe lives in Minnesota and is... Because he worked at the U for a little while? Is that right? At, I don't know how, if this is currently happening, but he was doing research at the University of Minnesota for a while. That's time. Dennis McKenna, really his name? Dan yeah. McKen? That's a fun thing to say. Dennis McKennis. Dennis McKenna. Um, was he the captain of tennis? I don't know if he's currently doing research at the U, but he was. He got like permission to do some study on psilocybin at the University of Minnesota somewhat recently, within the last few years. What? Because you're going to take some boomers and go fly in the alien ships. Oh, that's why the Twilight Zone theme was necessary. Yeah, <laughs> okay. pretty much. Okay. Um, he's had David Politis on the show a few times. Answer our emails. Okay, dude, I got, I was, I re-listened to the Politis interview on Coast to Coast, or I, this must have been uh, Dreamland or Midnight in the yeah, Desert because it was more post, recent. Yeah. It was more recent. But in the interview, 
David Politis says explicitly that he responds to every email he receives. He's a fucking liar because we've emailed him mm, three times, four times. Uh, probably four. I've tweeted at him. I tried Facebooking the dude. Nothing. Yeah, we. It's almost like he listens to our show where we occasionally roast him and his love of Bigfoot conspiracies. We don't roast him as much as we think that if he thinks that all these disappearances are 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 Bigfoot related, we don't believe that. Dave, if you're listening, I've read your books and I would just like some clarification about certain aspects of them. And the real shit is like, I mean, I'm we we are both curious, mm-hmm. genuinely about mm-hmm. the topic. Like that, this is not. That's why we're here, my guy. This, yeah, this is not bullshit. We are not. We we don't want to interview him to like goof him. We legitimately no. want to be like, bro, you've spent a lot of time on this. Like, tell us what you really think and why you really think it. Also, what's up with all the feet washing up in Canada? That's also seems real. like that would be kind of your jam. He didn't. He didn't cut the feet off. No, it seems like <laughs> something he would be interested in. I thought. Dave's like, not a foot cutter. Then he'll then he'll never interview with us if you insinuate he's a foot cutter. <laughs> we do, we do. What is that? Stone cutter reference. Oh, uh, um, you guys. We were at a bar the other night, and Spencer refused to do <laughs> Simpsons trivia. I was trying to watch the Wolves get into the playoffs. Sp- Spencer refused to do Simpsons trivia. I thought it was rude to do trivia during two local playoff games happening simultaneously. He no was, one wanted to do Simpsons trivia. He was trivia. protesting the concept. Yeah, their timing is awful. Meanwhile, every time they asked any fucking Simpsons trivia question over the fucking PA system in the bar, Spencer just leans over to me and answers it correctly <laughs> every fucking time. I was like, bro, we could have ate and drank here for free the entire night. He's like, yeah, but I'm protesting the concept. And I was like, dude, don't protest the concept if you're going to fucking win us $100 worth of fucking beer and food. We sh- if I really wanted to more effectively protest, I would have just shouted the correct answer every time. No, because then we would have gotten kicked out of the bar and we wouldn't have been able to watch the rest of the fucking game. But, but a lesson would have been learned by the Simpsons trivia folks that they are not welcome during, during Wild and Timberwolves playoff games. games. All right, fair enough. They wouldn't have learned that lesson. Then we would have just gotten no. kicked out. Yep. But <laughs> but we can hope. But, you know. Um, so you re-listen to the Politis uh, interview and he talks about... Oh, how he's going to respond to every email and he doesn't. And he doesn't because... We haven't gotten a response. It's it's sort of um, we're gonna keep trying, and we're gonna and we're if anything, we're gonna fucking bum rush him with a microphone. A, yeah, we're gonna be in a room with him for at least a, a day. I'm gonna ask. How him, can I, we I'm, not be like, dude? Can we get ten minutes of your time oh, outside of this room? Him. I'm definitely gonna ask him. All right. Yeah. There, All right. It's, it's not like a huge conference we're going to. I don't know if you've seen the the Susan B. Anthony murder oh, house. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I, I fucking designated it the Susan B. Anthony murder house. <laughs> oh, also, I think because we have of how a, small it is. I think we have a fourth member, by the way. <laughs> I think. Sorry. <laughs> Chance texted me last night that uh, I think he's buying a ticket to come with us. York? Yeah. Friend of the podcast, Chance York. Wow, 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 wow. Whole squad. He was here the other day and it was snowing because we got like a foot and a half of snow in the middle of April. And he was like, this sucks. I need to get out of here. When are you guys going to Denver? You want to go to the mountains of Colorado? Yeah, whatever. And we looked, and the flight was like 70 bucks, so I think he's coming with us. <laughs> <laughs> this shit just got so much more extra. And we'll all save a little bit of money on the Airbnb. I mean, I guess. We got five beds. We got room. All right, well, one more. 
Yeah. One lucky listener. <laughs> Meet us in Colorado. You can sleep on our couch just in someone kidding, else's guys. home. Just kidding, guys. Just kidding. Don't bring some weed. Bring, well, Colorado, I think, has plenty of it as far as they've informed us. Exactly. Dun, 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 dun. Um, did we talk about, no, we didn't talk about Area 51 pilot yet. We have brought up Area 51. We just, uh, it, yeah. But that's a call I think we should probably play because I think this is maybe one it's of the most. It's long. It's like two minutes long. No, it's not. I'll pull the, it up. It's nine and a half. No, no, no. The, the, the whole thing where the stream comes back up and they have a conversation about the stream after the fact is like stream? nine minutes. What? Well, we, we're going to ruin it if we don't just play it. But the, but the, I'm just telling you, it's nine and a half minutes. You really want to play it? The first part is only three minutes where the guy calls in. I'm telling you that's false. Okay. Let's play and see what happens. Okay. <laughs> Let me tell you, Art, answer the wild card line. My boyfriend is in a small plane north of Las Vegas, ready to fly into Area No, 51. no, no, no. This is not what I'm talking about. Cell phone. What are you talking about? We have not talked about this yet either. This was Art's. So Art had a habit of uh, having a specific call on April 1st of every year that was potentially uh, intentionally made to be more, um, I don't know, I don't know what the word is. They staged something a little bit more aggressive on April Fool's Day every year. And that's... The Cessna pilot flying over Area 51 getting shot down yeah. was an Area 50, or was an April 1st Area 51 call. Okay, so what are you referencing? I'm talking about the Area 51 call about the former Area 51 pl- employee who called in. Oh. Area 51 employee line? Maybe that's it? Do you remember that this line? This is five hours. <laughs> <laughs> that that would be the entire episode. We do not want the entire episode. Uh, Area 51 frantic caller, perhaps? That's the one. Six minutes. So this, and this is the one where only the first three minutes is... Okay. Uh, ...is relevant f- enough for us to talk about it. And I guess the reason that I wanted to bring up this episode, or this call specifically, was, you know, we kind of like... We we talk about how like art indulged a lot of people and and um, kind of pulled the best out of people or pulled their stories out of them, um, but also he did get a pretty significant number of like you said, really interesting and very strange calls and a lot of them were, um, you know when we talk about like hoaxes or whatever, like you said to talk to someone for 90 minutes about an alien takeover from a time period in the future that you are calling from and not sound like an idiot. Like that's fucking hard. And we can't even talk for an hour about real things without sounding like (laughs) idiots. We sound like idiots every fucking five minutes. Bull sharks. Bull sharks. But, um, but some of the calls that he got that are documented in some of the greats are especially kind of freaky, I guess. And I think for me in, Again, like Spencer has more of an experience with art than I do, but of all the stuff that I've heard him do, this one was the one that freaked me out the hardest. Awesome. Online, you're on the air. Hello. Hello, Art. Yes. Hi. Um, I, 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 I don't have a whole lot of. Uh, oh, I remember time. this one. Um. Well, look. Let's begin yeah. by finding out whether you're using this line properly or not. Uh, area 51. Yeah, um, that's right. Were you an employee or are you now? 
Uh, I, a former employee. Former um, employee. I, I, I was let go on a medical discharge about a week ago, and and <laughs> I, I've kind of been running a, across the country. Um, oh man, I don't know where to start. They're uh, they're, they're gonna um, they'll triangulate on this position really, really soon. So um, you can't spend a lot of time on the phone. So give us something quick. Okay. Um. Um. Okay, what what we're thinking of as as aliens are they're uh, they're they're extra dimensional beings that an earlier precursor of the um, space program made contact with. Uh, they they are not what they claim to be. Uh, they have infiltrated a lot of. Uh, uh, a, a lot of aspects of, of, of the military establishment, particularly the Area 51. Uh, the, the disasters that are coming, they, the, the military, I'm sorry, the, the government knows about them. And there's a lot of safe areas in this world that they could begin moving the population to now are but they're not doing they're not doing anything they are not they want the major population centers wiped out so that the, the few that are left will be more easily controllable discharge <laughs> Is that his phone cutting out or the like the radio transmission? So we can kill the transmission at this point. The okay. um the transmission comes back up in about well there's differing reports, but fifteen to thirty minutes the stream comes back up. The the radio transmission like the radio the coast transmission. To coast transmission yeah, so got the, cut? Yeah, so the interesting part about this story specifically which contributes to the art bell lore and all of his uh you know all of his listenership um you could tell there's like a very uh, well you you be the judge i'll say it seems like a pretty real urgency in whoever's calling's voice uh i don't know it, yeah there's a motion there i don't know where sure. that's coming from people are capable of acting also but yeah sure. yes definitely um the the sat link for his broadcast actually came down in the middle of that conversation and the call was dropped and never able to come back up in either situation and um a lot of people point to this as sort of maybe art was so tapped in that the government was listening and watching and that they were getting too close to a true story and he got booted off by some technology that basically kicked him off the stream at that time. I I don't know about in this case specifically, but I think it is very possible that Art Bell had some real enemies in the world. I completely get that. He was, he, well, the thing that's interesting to me about radio, especially radio in like the late nineties was what a, you know, this, this guy again, like go back to the Washington post description. 
He literally lived in a trailer on a chain link fenced chunk of land in the middle of Nevada with a satellite that links to 400 other radio stations and didn't screen his callers. Notoriously didn't screen his callers. Mm-hmm. And anytime someone came in, that Mostly was... Mostly because he couldn't, because he ran the whole damn show by himself. By himself. Yeah. And it was okay if he didn't, because it was in the middle of the night, so people could curse or whatever. I mean, uh, yeah, I it mean, didn't happen much, but when it did, you know... He was probably still running a delay, I would guess. But sure. Whatever. But but long and short, like, it was very, like, all things considered, very free and very open and very immediate. Like, that was the kind of crux of a lot of what he did. And because of the sort of open aspect of the open format aspect of the show, like... Some pretty controversial topics were discussed sometimes. Absolutely. And he gave a platform of, you know, it's one thing if you, either yourself or by giving a platform to someone else, put some kind of controversial opinions out into the world. Uh, it's different if 15 to 20 million people are listening to them. And right. you are a voice of uh, authority to those people that listen to you every yep. night. Yep. You're on the air 25 hours a week, and there are lots of people that listen to you every night. Right. Where, you know, you, you feel like you know that person, and you respect and uh, have, uh, yeah, you, you become an authority figure of sorts to, to your listeners. And if there are 20 million of them, and you're talking about things, I mean, he didn't really shy away from political issues ever. Yep. He was pretty vocal about uh, some of his own opinions when it came to politics, and... I, I don't know. It seems very possible. Well, and I mean, we know that he did have some people that did not like him. In, I mean, he was forced off the air at least once by, I think twice, by threats to his himself and his family. And right. his house was shot at because if you know, I mean, everyone basically knew where he lived. Right. He wasn't fully like, he didn't try to hide it. No, if you go to that town and you drive around for a while, you'll find the house that has a big-ass satellite dish and right. the exactly. WNYE banner on the side of it. Like, he was he was accessible. Right. Um, I don't know if three minutes of fielding a random phone call about Area 51 would be enough for him to get shut down, considering all the other things that he talked about on the show over the years and the for people sure. he had on. And, for sure. Um. It's it's plausible to me though, I yeah. guess, especially considering his proximity to <laughs> some air force and military right. installations. Well, and one of the more interesting theories I've heard about art that I do not claim to be true at all, but some people have posited that does he make for a good disinformation character by the US well, government? To take money from the government and to entertain all of these ideas and open phone lines and basically create a complete mishmash of what is real and what is false and what is true and what is not and what does the government think and what do what does the populace as a whole believe if we put it out there through the airwaves? I mean, not not coming from the government necessarily, but there is an example of this happening with art in relation to the the Hillbop comet. Yes. The the whole idea that there was a UFO trailing or hiding behind that comet was popularized by his show. Yeah, he was sent a photo 
someone got in contact with him saying, I have this photo. They were a professor at some school. From a, a reputable university saying, I have this image sourced from X university observatory that shows something pretty clearly. Can I, can I share it with you? Right. It was shared with him. He distributed, distributed it publicly. And then it turned out to be fake after he put it out, I think on his website. Right. I guess it would have been his website. Was that was 90 something though, wasn't it? Well, however, he got, he also discussed it on the show. He basically said, I think he shared the actual image though, because he did, but I'm also just saying like for broader distribution, he told people that this was a thing he had been. So the concept was out there even more broadly because I'm sure the, the radio show reached more people than his website did. Right. Um, but somebody from said observatory got in contact with him and said, here is that same image that I took without that artifact in there. You've been hoodwinked. Yes. Um, And unfortunately, that maybe led to the Heaven's Gate idea. Or at least, like, influenced... You know, like, there there are connections to real world... I guess I, I, I just bring it up to say, like... When you have 20 million people listening to you, yes, your what you say can have a real, a real world effect on people. No doubt. Your sphere of influence grows and you, I mean, we don't have a tenth of Art Bell's like sphere of influence. And the more that we've done this show, the more that we realize that like the things we say, we get reactions from people, we get emails, we get tweets, we get like people are engaging with us more and more steadily and regularly, the more that we do this show. And I think like knowing that that in his world was meaningful times a hundred is, we only have like 3 million listeners. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And like 3 million listeners is, you know, there's nothing compared to him, but his fear of influence between three and a million listeners. Yes. His, uh, his fear of influence was, was pretty great at the top of what he was doing. And, it's interesting to posit what what effects he could have had, both intentionally or unintentionally, as a person who continued to bring this type of content and, and story matter to to the airwaves every day. And I think his his approach was a the show is entertainment, and we're here because we're curious about things. Things. And, and the world is greater than we think it is. There's a lot yep. of stuff in the world that we don't understand, yep. and let's get together in the middle of the night and try and figure some of it out. Yep. And have some fun doing so. But, uh, and and I think his his goal was to like seek that stuff out or be a, a sort of a, a facilitator yep. for getting those ideas, those people, those conversations to his audience. And letting the audience decide what they're going to do with it. Completely. I think in some ways that was maybe a flawed concept. Just in terms of like, if you're on the radio every night for a decade and people listen to you hours a day, every day, you're not just a uh, unbiased person passing along information. You sort of... You become an authority. Whether you want to or not, take on a different role in that process. But also, like, I don't know. Is that his responsibility to to filter that and distribute only the information that he thinks is 
viable True. and verifiable. Yeah. And like, I mean, the show wouldn't have existed had he taken that approach. You, right. you can't do that right. and, and produce the show that he produced. Right. So, I mean, I think he would say that like he was given information he passed on to the listeners without saying this is true or this is not true or I right. can verify this or I can't. It Just was a conduit. Here it is. Yep. Do with it what you will. Yep. And that's what made that show so great is like, I don't know if this guy calling is an Area 51 employee or not. I'm honestly not that interested in finding out, but here he is. Yeah. And let's, we're, we're in this together, which as a listener brings you in more because you feel like you're on the same level as Art Bell is. You're on, you're, you're there with him listening to this dude for the first time. Right. He has exactly as much information as you do. It's sort of a peek behind the curtain of like, that you're, you don't get with other shows right. ever. You're discovering too. Right. We're discovering this together in real time as it's happening. It it was it's a beautiful concept and and beautifully executed. I'd love to um you got something well, you got one more? I not really like a, a, a classic, so to speak, but I came across this for the first time when I was going back through a bunch of his stuff. I found an interview that he did with George Carlin. Yeah. That I'd never heard before. And uh I mean we don't need to to get too deep into it, but like those two dudes just talking to each other for an hour and fifteen minutes is one of the most entertaining things. It's one of the most entertaining hours of radio I think I've ever heard. Phenomenal. And Art, as he always does, just kind of lets him go and occasionally like interjects or brings him back or yep. asks for clarification. But like we were texting about it today. Carlin goes on like a 10 plus minute rant about how he cheers for nat- natural disasters. He wants the world to burn like so aggressively. And he's like, Art was talking about how he he had just experienced like an earthquake. Yep. And how Art had this thing about earthquakes and he thought yeah, yeah. that they were a sign that the world was ending. Or at- and there was going to be a bigger and bigger and bigger one. The whole and- quickening thing that he, yeah, I read that yeah. book once is weird. At- Sounds like it would be. Yeah. Yeah. He and yeah. I he and I didn't agree on some things and sure. he made them more uh more pronounced in his books than he did on the radio sometimes. Got it. Got it. Um anyway, George goes on this <laughs> this rant about like he he's cheering for, for natural disasters and he wants bigger earthquakes and art's like Carlin wants the population to die because he's disappointed. Right. He's like, I think that humanity is screwed. Like, we're past the point of return. He, he actually we're, said we're circling the drain. Is, is and, he, and he wants us to circle it faster. He's yes. just cheering for all of these horrible things to accelerate yes. so that we can just get it over with. Although, And at one point, <laughs> Art's like, we just had an 8.0 earthquake in wherever. And Carlin's like, great. How about a 25? Let's just, so let's just, <laughs> I wish it was a 25 and, and Art's like, Art's like, George, that would flip the continent. And Carlin's like, great. <laughs> like, let it. Like he's fucking psyched. He actually, he walks it back a little bit later. He's like, maybe like a 12 so I can watch. Cause if yeah, it's a yeah, 25, yeah. we're, we're all just all dead done. right away. Yeah. I need like a 12 and I need it to start on the East coast so I can watch the, the chaos yeah, coming yeah, yeah. from East to West yes. and then get taken out last. Like totally. I want to see all the chaos totally. and then be the last guy down the drain. Carlin also says something really interesting right after that, that I actually wrote down where he goes, he goes, I'm having fun with it, but 
I think what's really there is, and the quote is, when you scratch a cynic, you find a disappointed idealist underneath. Yeah. That's totally Carlin. Totally Carlin. And also, I would maybe make the argument that in some ways, art, maybe not as an idealist, but like, is someone who's looking for something else, like looking for that bigger world. And Carlin yeah. too was saying like, I'm, I'm disappointed with what I've got here. So I want something different or bigger or better. I hoped for bigger or better or different. And so I'm going to think towards that. And yeah. I think Carlin's way of doing it. It's give us a 25 comic and disastrous <laughs> and outrageous. Yeah. And Bell's way of doing that is cultivating, cultivating a radio universe that he can live in. Yeah. That provides him an outlet that is that is something different than the world that he lives in. In fact, go ahead. No, you're good. No, I was just gonna say the the one of the quotes that I wanted to read before we closed out was uh, from the same um, the Washington Post article that I started with from uh, Mark Fisher, and uh, Mark starts it with a quote from Art and then finishes the article with this uh, this little short paragraph. He says. This is the Art Bell quote. He says, quote, I move in and out of these two worlds every day. I need to have one to balance the other. I can do my five hours of the present pathetic state of the world, and then I need the other hours to have my own world. In the middle of the night in a trailer deep in the desert with his wife sleeping in the other room, Art Bell sits alone like the rest of us, vulnerable. The desert remembers everything we want to forget the bombs and experiments, secrets and lies, while listeners lie in their beds also wanting to forget. And Art Bell helps them to remember the things they never knew. Yeah. I, it's beautiful. I think this whole article about art that, that Mark wrote is just really fantastic. And I, and I found a, a, a real pairing between what Carlin said and the end of that and the way that he wraps that about Totally. Him spending five nights a week, five hours at a time, choosing to say, I'm going to live in this world. I'm going to create this world. I'm going to, I'm going to be the, the vector for this to exist. And I think that's where art kind of crossed into like art. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. he, at, there's a moment in that interview with Carlin too, where Carlin talks about comedy as art and, you know, he says like that may sound kind of silly, but like it is. You know, right. it's a it's a creative, expressive form. Yeah, and I'm writing and performing, and like it's a it is my art. Totally. And I think through radio, Art Bell kind of took it to the same place where it's like I'm creating something. I have a, a vision of what I want it to be. I'm working towards creating it, and in the same way that like comedy or other art forms can be like extremely isolating mm -hmm. and you know you hear stories all the time of all the time of comics being sort of like solitary kind of messed up people and right. like poets having some antisocial tendencies yep. and artists and musicians and poets and all that stuff like i think art was very much in that world absolutely and is it's a big reason why that show transcended radio to be something bigger than it was and and the other stuff that he worked on 
got to a level that talk radio shows don't get to. Right. Especially, <laughs> especially ones that are about the subjects that Art chose to entertain every night. You took an extremely fringe set of topics and a very open format and built a community of like 20 million people. Right. That's insane. By himself, mostly. To be one of the most popular radio shows of all time. Yeah. And one that kind of, honestly, we probably wouldn't be here without. Oh, us and so many other shows, too. Yeah. I mean, the, he, the dude created a, a whole genre. Right. We out of here! Thanks, Hart. Rest, uh, rest in pieces. Yeah. Rest in peace. It's always exciting to me when somebody, like, it's a weird way to put it, but, like, I'm excited for that dude, considering, like, he had the life they had and seemed yeah, yeah. mostly, like, a pretty, pretty happy dude. Like... Now he knows what's on the other side. You, get you know, to, that quote we opened with, like, yeah, it's get, the biggest mystery of all of life. And like, yep. you know, he, he's not trying to get there, but like, we're all going to get there. And right. it's, it is inherently the paranormal. Right. And now he knows. Time is undefeated. And he's over there with Carlin, probably. Yep. Probably drinking a beer, cracking some jokes. We out of here! R.I.P. style icon, Art Bell. Yeah. Dude had the best press photos in the history of press photos. It's his... High bridge glasses, black turtleneck, black turtleneck, gold chain every time. Smoking Carlton cigarettes like a fucking boss. All right, man. We out of here till next week. Love y'all. Peace. We'll be back next week with another episode of the What If Podcast. Learn more at www.whatifpodcast.com.